I heard a quote this week that makes a ton of sense as the bans uh, are in sight of being lifted. Um, and that is, it's a quote from Dave Hollis. And the quote is, in the rush to return to normal, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. Welcome to episode 44 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At Advantage Strength, we help people between the ages of 35 and 65 to live more, play more, and feel strong so that they can be active with their family and friends and keep doing the things that they love to do. The Fit Life Formula is a show specifically for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who wants to improve their life by maintaining their high activity level having the chance to stay active with their family and friends and keep doing the things that they want to do. So we're talking uh, about nutrition, we're talking fitness, exercise, mindset, mental health, anything that's going to help people age well and stay active, we'll talk about it on this show. And so here we are kind of in the middle, we've just passed the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic here uh, in Michigan at least and So now we're kind of on the backside of this and we're looking at what life is going to be like when we return. So now we're, we're done, uh, kind of looking backwards and, and now we're looking forwards to see what's going to happen in the time ahead. And so this is a perfect time throughout this time. We've had uh, special presentations for our members, uh, virtual, of course. And this is one of those special presentations. We actually had a, a former intern come back and present for us. And this former intern, her name is Kate Owens. She is now at Google and uh, is the author of the book Rootless. And so she's sharing with us today some information about how uh, the best way to maintain good habits. So not only create good habits, that's part of it, but also maintain good habits. And I thought this was a perfect thing to share right now because, you know, as we said in the, in the intro, in the initial quote there, we need to figure out what part of our lives have developed over the last five or six weeks do we want to keep? What do we want to keep? What do we want to uh, throw away as we get back into our old, or into our, uh, I guess, our new old schedule as we resume life um, as it was before somewhat? So we need to think about, you know, what parts do we want to keep? What parts do we want to throw away? And so this is Kate's presentation. She's sharing with us, um, you know, the four, the four things that need to be in place for you to maintain your good habits. So we're super excited to hear from Kate. I'll let, uh, th- this is the audio of the presentation. And so we do a little bit more of an intro in the episode. So uh, I'm excited to share this with you. It's a great opportunity to, um, do some thinking for yourself. Do a little bit of digging. I suggest you have a pencil and paper ready for this. Uh, there are a few spots where there's no audio, and that's intentional, right? So we want you to take notes. Um, but if you're in the car or, or something like that, then obviously you're not going to be writing things down. But there are some points where there won't be, um, where Kate won't be talking, and that's just her giving time for the, the participants, the people on the call to. Uh, to jot some ideas down and, and that kind of stuff. So if you're if you're writing, you can write. If you're not, you can just use that time as 
sort of thinking or, or pondering time. So enjoy this presentation. It went really well. Our members really got a lot out of it, and I'm excited to share it here with you on the Fit Life Formula podcast. And with that, let's get started with Kate Owens. So you, uh, Julie, you already said that you remember Kate from Advantage. Kate was a, an intern with us in the summer of 2018. And um, from there, she had the opportunity to go out for an internship at Google in California, which is a super sweet gig. And within the first uh, month or two of your internship, uh, they decided that she was so awesome that they wanted to hire her for a position that had opened up. So after just a really short time as an intern, they hired Kate on as a, a coordinator at one of the, um, or a fitness instructor at one of the campus buildings. And then from there, uh, another short time later, she got another promotion to a coordinator, a uh, coordinating position. So she's within Google Fitness, she's coordinating uh, programs and um, initiatives to help the employees out there at Google's to, to stay healthy and stay fit and all that. So she implements what she's going to talk about today. She implements a lot on a weekly basis with um, not only the employees out there at, at Google's main campus, but also with uh, other coaches and things like that who, who are who she's managing at this time. So um, Kate, I'm going to let you take it from here, but um, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm excited to see some familiar faces. I definitely want to keep this super interactive and casual. So I do have a few slides that I threw together to kind of guide me as I teach you what I do and also use a framework that I uncovered in some of my research. Um, but again, definitely if you guys have questions, feel free to hop off mute. And I will be posing some questions to all of you. And if you guys feel comfortable enough to share, we can definitely just get some conversation going. But with that, I will share my screen. Okay, can you guys see my screen okay? I can't see you guys, so my name Thumbs up, we're good to go. Okay, perfect, all right, here we go. I'm gonna minimize you guys here. All right, okay, so we're gonna talk about behavior change and tackling some goals and habits, especially while we're all stuck at home here. So it's a brief guide to wellness at home. Again, I'm gonna walk you through a little bit of my background and then I will kind of walk you through some cool opportunities I've had so far and what I've learned. Okay, so just a little bit about me. So the advantage strength and conditioning down there in the corner. So I definitely loved working with all of you guys and learning from Brian and the team over there uh, with fitness. I did go to the University of Michigan, so that's how I got connected with Brian, and I got to run track and cross country. So I've always been passionate about athletics and kind of taking care of your body through activities as well as proper nutrition. So there are a few other things over here. I majored in kinesiology, specifically movement science, and then I minored in public health. And then I did work at Shapedown at the St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in Ann Arbor. The Shapedown program is working with families, uh, with children and families who are obese and overweight, learning about how to add some movement into their life as well as proper nutrition and then again, behavior change. And finally, one last experience that I'll touch on a little bit later, I worked at a cardiovascular specialist 
physician's office and I was a exercise physiologist. So I ran some of the stress tests with patients. And now I'm with the GFIT team at Google out in California. I gotta say the weather out there is pretty great and I love the mountains, but I do miss Michigan. And then in the lower left corner, those are just my two sisters. So I love my sisters. I always just like to give them a quick shout out. Okay, so you think you can write. I'm not quite sure how much Brian has shared with you, but I have had the chance to publish a book um, and it's about behavior change. And so I spent my senior year of college uh, working on this project. I got connected with a professor at Georgetown who really wanted to help undergraduates, you know, publish their work. And so that was an amazing experience. And I am gonna share with you the framework that I uncovered through my research, both with talking to different professionals in the field, as well as people who are looking to make a behavior change. And this was largely inspired by my time at the cardiovascular office or the cardiologist's office. Um, so when I was running stress tests, it really saddened me that so many people couldn't walk for longer than two minutes on the treadmill without having to stop. And to no fault of the physicians, they just had so many patients that they had to see throughout the day. Um, and all they really had the time to say was, hey, you really need to increase your physical activity, change your diet, I'll see you in six months. So I was just getting super frustrated with how little support um, all these patients were receiving. So I wanted to kind of dive into research to see what was feasible to implement within the medical model. So that's how my initial research started, but I've found at my work at Google that it can definitely transfer across a wide variety of spectrums and specifically corporate wellness as well as one-on-one -on -one work. So I'm gonna walk you guys through the framework later today, just like one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, but again, I'll explain how corporate wellness actually ended up being the answer to my research thesis. Um, all right, so these were again the two main questions I sought to answer in my research. Um, so it was how can a behavior change intervention program fit within the current medical model? So again, like I said, just how many patients had lack of support when it came to making lifestyle changes? And then how do you support people in making lifestyle changes and ensure their efforts don't last out or don't fade out? So I like to call this sustainability. So how can people make lifestyle changes that are sustainable? I'm sure we all can call to mind times when people, you know, went on a diet for a few weeks or went super hard and went to work out for five days a week for a whole two months and then it faded back and they gained all the weight back. Or I just really wanted to uncover um, a solution or a model that could help people make sure that it was changes they were making for their life or for the long term. Okay, I'm gonna walk through this framework here and then I'll pause and see if anyone has any questions. So the title of my book is called Rootless, and I chose this because I really sought to find a solution that grounded people for the long term. Again, like I said, with the sustainability, excuse me, um, you want, I wanted people to have a solution that ensured their, you know, actions and their goals would last. Um, and so I organized it in a root framework. So there's R-O-O-T, and these are the four pillars that have guided my framework. Um, so R, reflection. Very simple, a lot of this stuff you will find that it's pretty intuitive. And that's part of the reason I loved, you know, working on this project. It was a lot of concepts that I had either, you know, thought to myself before, or I'd seen in other people or learned in my classes. Like it's not, it is crazy because it's such hard stuff, right? A lot of times people struggle with making these changes, but at the end of the day, the answers always seem to be so simple. 
Okay, so reflection. Utilizing introspection for barrier strength and goal identification. So this is just really taking a look at where have you been? Where do you wanna go? Where are you at now? What are some of your strengths? Maybe what are some of your limitations that you're experiencing, whatever the goal may be. Um, and then, oh, taking things one at a time. So this is breaking up the health goals that you have into manageable chunks. So just keeping it super simple, right? So before, I'll use this example later, me and Brian have talked about this. Before you want to run a marathon, you need to make sure you have a good pair of shoes. So really breaking it up so it seems manageable. That'll help you draw it out for the lifetime. And then, oh, you guys at Advantage are no stranger to this concept, the powerful presence of others. So having peer support or that social accountability is going to be huge, whatever goal you're tackling. And then finally, T, tailoring to the individual. So acknowledging individual differences and preferences to create a personalized approach. Because everyone is different, right? We all come from different places, have different backgrounds, different genetics, you know, diff different support systems at home, different neighborhoods, depending. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that everyone is different, even likes and dislikes, right? So this is the framework. I'm gonna pause here to see if anyone has any questions. I'll kick it off if you don't mind. Yes, of course. I'm gonna pull this up so I can see you. Okay. Um, so in terms of, you know, there, there's these four things and one of them is one at a time. What, where do you recommend starting? So let's say, um, this is a famous example from me personally. Um, I know that I don't need to have a bowl of cereal every night before I go to bed, but it happens most nights. Um, so, you know, which, which of these, is it a personal decision? Which one comes first? You know, you say, we say one step at a time. How do you determine which one of these is most important for you or for the individual? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I definitely, I have some guided questions later on that I meant to mention, if you wanna grab a pen and paper or a phone, I do have some interactive exercises for you guys. Otherwise you can just think about them in your head. Um, but to answer your question, Brian, I believe, and this is something I've seen working with people at Google, and I can go in a little bit more in depth about what exactly I do. But I started um, these consultations called Coffee with a Coach, because my job is performance specialist or a performance coach. Um, and so it's one-on-one -on -one meetings that I use with people to assess their goals and kind of lay out a plan for them moving forward. And the answer that I say repeatedly is always, what do you think you'll be the most successful with, right? Because I think that each person is their own expert. And who am I to kind of tell you, Brian, what you should first do with cutting out cereal? Is it maybe starting with a smaller bowl? Is it maybe having cereal only two nights a week instead of every night of the week? Is it, you know, cutting it off completely cold turkey? So I would ask you guided questions to kind of work together to see what is the most realistic, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So basically and, it's kind of a cop-out, like it depends on the person. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Perfect, thank you for the questions. I do love questions, but again, if you don't have any, definitely I can keep rolling. All right, I'm gonna head back to the presentation here. Ooh, my bad. I'm not the most techie person, which I should be. Okay, so now I'm gonna have you. Yeah, I know, it's pretty bad, don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay, so again, if you guys have a pen or paper you can grab or your phone or even just use your mind, I'm gonna have us just pause here for a second. 
We're gonna take a deep breath. So you're inhaling through the nose and then you're having a long exhale through the mouth on the way out. And then I want you to call to mind something you've been trying to work on, okay? So it can be as simple as I wanna eat better, okay? Or it can be as hard as I've been trying to lose 30 pounds, okay? Doesn't even have to be wellness related, especially since we have so much time at home now. Maybe you're trying to read a bunch of books, okay? Or maybe you're trying to learn a new language. Maybe spend more time with your kids or catch up with people you haven't talked to in a while. So whatever that goal or that habit you kind of want to work on, I want you to keep it in the back of your mind and then we're gonna go through some more guided exercises to potentially help you all get a plan going or at least get your brain going a little bit. So I'll give you guys a minute here to think it through. I know for me, I do wanna brush up on my Spanish. I haven't been using it enough and I think I'm gonna try to tackle that now that I'm home. Okay, I'm gonna move on here. So reflection, so R, that first pillar that we talked about. So why it matters. So part of it is to you know, identify some intrinsic motivation. So those reasons that will propel you to take action. But actually a lot of studies have shown that motivation will only take you so far and it's honestly not super reliable when it comes to sustainability or the long-term. So what really helps is uncovering a deeper why. So what is your reason for wanting to do this? So for me, wanting to practice my Spanish, my boyfriend is from South America and his family doesn't speak English. And I wanna be able to talk to them and communicate with them. So that's a pretty deep reason why I want to speak Spanish or brush up on my Spanish. Okay, but the point of reflection is to identify, again, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the different strengths that you have, different barriers that you might, might face, some values that you have and some goals. So what it looks like here with you guys one-on-one, -on -one, it's going to be asking yourself some questions and just taking the time to again, reflect on your own life as well as in the, work, or in the workplace or at a hospital setting, which is where I initially envisioned this framework playing out. It's developing personal relationships with your clients or your patients and establishing that rapport so you can really tie what you're asking them to do to something that matters to them. Because at the end of the day, it should be, I believe it should be a collaborative approach as opposed to someone telling something what they should do. Because at the end of the day, everyone has to make their own decisions. So for you guys, here's our first thought exercise. We'll have four of these. So I want you to grab that pen and paper, think about the habit that you have in the back of your mind. And we're gonna first start with what will make this new habit hard for you to do, okay? Just brainstorm something that you might face as a barrier. Okay, I have some common barriers here at the bottom of the screen. Usually it's time, money, it's physically hard or takes a lot of effort or it's mentally draining. So those are just a few common you know, barriers I see working with some of my Googlers. Um, so I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna pause here, stop rambling, let you answer this question. Again, either in your head or jot it down on a piece of paper. Okay, and as we're thinking that through, I have one second question for you in honor of reflection. So what is one proposed solution you have to this problem?
may sound kind of simple, but sometimes all it takes is a little brainstorming, you know, forcing yourself to kind of think things through all the different options. So for me, you know, learning Spanish, sticking with this example, it's going to be hard for me to do because I am still working, as I'm sure all of you guys are as well. And then also not having um, a platform, right? Or, you know, I don't have any textbooks or anything guiding me through this. So one proposed solution would be to find a class that I could take online. So again, it might sound super simple, but even just forcing yourself to think these things through all the different scenarios can definitely help make a clearer path forward for you. Okay, and I'm gonna move on to O. Oh, so one thing at a time. So why this matters, the biggest piece I believe is it prevents discouragement. So if someone, I've seen people who've come to me at Google, they say, hey, my goal is to work out and I wanna lose 20 pounds. I haven't done anything in the past year or two. Okay, so I'm starting at a base level of zero and I wanna work out six days a week. And I say to them, okay, do you think that that is manageable? Like, oh yeah, like I could, I think I could definitely do it. They're super motivated. And while I do think, and I have seen that it works for some people, again, like I said, it's most likely that they will kind of fade out after like two weeks or so, and it'll feel too much. Okay, so then I'd say, do you think starting with two days rather than six days a week at first will feel more manageable? And then once you feel confident that you can do two days in a row, then you'll bump it up to three and four, and then maybe five, and then you'll get to that goal of six. Um, so this does present prevent discouragement. And there's also some neuroscience research that backs it up and even says when you have a to-do list and you cross things off or even accomplish a small task, there's a release of the reward hormones in your brain. So the dopamine and the serotonin. And so the smaller your task is, the more likely you are to be able to finish that and feel that reward of completion. So starting small and then building up. And also, again, like we touched on, the whole goal of this is to ensure sustainability. So it is for the long term and long run. So what does this look like for you guys? It's understanding your own level okay, of skill in whatever area you're at. It's taking an honest approach at where you're at and not trying to you know, bump yourself up a little bit or not being too hard on yourself, right? So finding that balance and being honest with yourself. And then from there, it's identifying a realistic first step. So for me, I took Spanish in high school. Okay, so a realistic first step would be brushing up on what I learned because I didn't take Spanish in college and I haven't used it in the past two years. So identifying a first step, okay? And then there's something called the all or something principle. This I think hopefully will resonate with a lot of you. A lot of times I see people who are either like, oh, I'm coming to your class every day and my classes are usually about an hour. Um, out in California and people are like oh I got dragged into a meeting then I had to run home and take my kids and so I just did nothing and so it's either I'm all in a hundred percent doing these hard workouts for an hour to two hours or I'm doing nothing at all and I think that can definitely lead to a spiral of you know I'm not going to do anything I'm not going to do anything so I like to say let's switch this to an all or something principle so even if it's 10 minutes of you know, a walk after dinner, even if it's doing some body weight squats right before you hop out of your car, which sounds silly, but anything is better than nothing. So that's kind of what I mean by the all or something principle. And then finally, I think it's important to be gentle with yourself. And again, not put too much pressure on yourself if you don't kind of achieve your initial goal immediately, because it does take time, especially if your goal 
is for the long run. Okay, so I have two, two more questions for you on this O, so taking things one at a time. So with that goal in mind, whatever it is you guys decided to focus on today, I want you to answer what is the simplest way to achieve this goal? I know you guys could take this to mean any different number of reasons. So really, whatever this question means to you, what is the simplest way to achieve this goal? I'm gonna have you guys jot that down. And then as you're brainstorming with that, the next question is, what is the smallest possible step you could take to begin? Again, so think super small. Like I mentioned earlier, if you want to run a marathon, maybe it's buying a pair of shoes. Maybe it's routing out a map of runs that you could do in your neighborhood or finding the closest trail. So think small in order to get to the big down the line. And again, we're not chasing perfect. We're chasing just action. We're chasing tangible results. Okay, I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna pull your guys' faces back up just so I can get a quick read. Does anyone have any questions or anything that they wanna share that they're focusing on for today? Kind of share the goals, see if anyone has similar goals here. Yes, Julie. I think you might have to unmute yourself. Okay, I'm unmuted. Yes. Okay, so I was thinking about for a goal, um, I was going to start off by blaming my husband because <laughs> saying that, you know, um, there, there's just two of us. We don't have any kids. And he eats differently than I do. You know, I, I would prefer to eat mostly light and vegetarian and plant protein and all that kind of stuff. And he's always got to have meat. And, um, but then I realized it's not his fault. It's, it, you know, I'm always bringing in the sweets and I have a big problem with sugar eating. So I'm trying to refocus that on instead of blaming my husband for eating differently than me thinking about okay what am I buying I'm buying you know chocolate covered pretzels or um, cereal with sugar in it um, yeah I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to, and then trying to think of okay well small small steps what can I can do like you know I can maybe figure out one thing that I really like and buy that and kind of ration that for myself and instead of buying you know three different kinds of sweets you know just buy one something that i really like and have that you know kind of ration that out for myself so that's what I, that was my thought yeah that's huge thank you for sharing and i like how you acknowledged you know you were honest with yourself and your role that you were playing in the situation and you had a couple different ideas so i definitely encourage you to try them out you might find that it works you might find that it doesn't and you gotta reshift a little bit your focus no, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, sugar, sugar is a huge problem. It's tough. I have the biggest it's like sweet a drug. <laughs> it is hard for sure. At Google, they they do have uh, food and desserts out, and that's probably the hardest part for me to walk by and not grab the cookie yeah. or grab the brownie. So I must admit, <laughs> I also have. Hey, can I can I add something to that? Yeah, also, of course. Um, so. I think the other really important part there, and I think a lot of the value in what we're doing right now, this, this exercise is 
that you came you came up with that solution. That's a solution that you found to be um, possible for you. So it's one thing when you come up with your own, but if if someone is telling you you should do this, you should do that, then it's not it's not your idea. It may not be the best fit for you. So the the important work here, and and it seems like like Kate said, it seems like a tiny thing, but just by brainstorming a little bit and thinking, okay, what, what could I do? What's one step I could take? Chances are you're coming up with solutions that are possible for you. So um, there's a ton of value in that. And, and I think it's deceptive how much value there is in just doing these little thought exercises. So um, it is, it is, you know, I actually, that's a new thought for me. Like, okay, maybe I could try buying just one thing that I like and not five things that I like. So that, you know, that's a new thought for me as, you know, just having this conversation. Yeah, that's huge. So thank you <laughs> for that. Of course. Is there anyone else? I had a thought that um, I, I was very successful with intermittent fasting last year. And for some reason, I just haven't been able to get back onto it at all. Um, so my thought, one of the problems that's least fitting seeing here at home now is that my husband does all the cooking, which is great. Um, and we do do mostly plant-based, actually almost 90% plant-based uh, diet, which is healthy. But um, I, I do much better. I sleep better. I feel better. I have less um, reflux symptoms and other things if I don't eat after like five o'clock uh, because I don't eat after, I, if I don't eat after I exercise, I do much better. So, um, but my problem has been recently that they, he makes such good food that I always want to eat it. So my thought, and I feel like somehow I'm getting left out. We've got six people in the house right now. So there's like no food left. We, we literally like our, our refrigerator is almost empty now, <laughs> but um, so my thought was, I always feel like I need to eat it or I won't get to eat it. So I just thought for the first time today that if I bought or found some really nice containers that I could put my serving and make it a good serving size uh, or an appropriate serving size, get take the dinner, put it in that uh, good container, the right size, the right um, serving size and save it for lunch for the next day. So that I still get that food, but I don't have to eat it at night. Um, when I know I'll feel better if I eat it the next day. Yeah, I love that, Carla. Thanks for sharing. And also, hello, it's been a while. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, uh, I'll just add uh, that that's a great approach for intermittent fasting is putting it in a container and saving it for the next day for lunch. I, um, I've done that quite a bit when my wife's made a meal or, um, you know, when I'm on one of those stretches where I'm using intermittent fasting. So it's worked for me too. Yeah, that's awesome. And this was something I was going to talk with Brian about after, but if anyone sees that they have similar goals or they want to connect with other people, I definitely encourage you guys to, especially since we're, you know, all at home, you know, stuck here in our behind our screens and our phones, like reaching out to each other and especially if you have a similar goal. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but definitely lean on each other in this community that Brian and you guys have all created together. But all right, I will head back to the slides. We'll go through that last two, those last two pillars and a few more thought exercises. 
Okay, so again, this is huge at advantage, the presence of others, the powerful, you know, power, the powerfulness of community, excuse me here. Um, so why it matters, we talked about social accountability. So having someone to rely on and kind of, you know, keep you engaged. So I love to run. And if I set my alarm early to go for a run, you know, I'm a lot more likely to go out the door if I know that I'm meeting someone else and we made plans to go on a run together. Or even if it's just my sister, I tell her the night before, hey, let's go on a run in the morning. And I know that she's kind of counting on me and I'm counting on her. I'm much more likely to get in the gym. And I'm sure that that's what you guys have all found at Advantage. You know, the class and knowing people at the gym is super helpful and it's, it's fun, honestly, too. I think that's the biggest piece about fitness and wellness that a lot of people forget that it can be super fun and engaging. So again, social interaction itself is necessary for our mental health, right? But as well as, you know, adding that fun element um, that I know that Brian with his warm-up games and you guys with your community do super well. So what it looks like for you guys. So it's identifying communities that resonate with you or fit your goal, or it could mean finding a partner. So whether it's, you know, someone you live with at your house, a roommate, a partner, you know, a loved one, a sibling, your kids, anyone that you think would help push you or motivate you as well as you can rely on if things are kind of getting tough. And again, seeking out connections, especially in this time when we're all, again, at our houses, can't really, we're limited in where we can, what we can do and go out with. So two thought exercises for you guys. So who comes to mind that could help keep you accountable? Is it a family member, a friend, someone from Advantage? So maybe jot that down or think through your head. Maybe it's someone you had a conversation with recently or someone, again, who's done what you wanna do. So again, anyone who comes to mind, even if it's multiple people, maybe you jot down a list and then later after this, you guys have a conversation or you know, you create a plan together. Even if it's as simple as, hey, let's send each other texts once a week of a motivational quote or a fun recipe that we wanna try. Then the second piece here is spend some free time. Again, this can be later. Researching online communities or apps that focus on your goal Again, I do believe that there's inherent power in interaction and in social interaction in person. But again, since we are at home, I do think technology has allowed us to do some great things from this work from home and self-quarantine, you know, law that's sweeping the country here. But we're having more apps and I can definitely share some resources or I encourage you guys to share with each other if you find apps that work for you, whatever your goals may be. So again, I'll let you pause here, maybe jot down something you want to look up later. If your goal is to read more books, maybe you look into book clubs or local libraries. I know this one app called Goodreads. I actually just downloaded it. I love it because it kind of gives you a bunch of suggestions based off of the books that you've said you completed. It also can keep a running log for you. You know, if I had a goal of reading 50 books this year, I think I am behind, but it can update your list and it'll tell you how many books behind you are or ahead of your goal. All right, so our final pillar here is tailoring to the individual. Again, this may sound kind of obvious, especially since I'm kind of flipping this back onto you guys, but in the medical model realm that I originally, you know, used this framework or envisioned this framework, 
Um, it's kind of sad how little time there is for the healthcare provider to get to know uh, the patient's unique situation. So there's something called the social ecological model that a lot of public health courses use. Um, and that's really understand, or it's also called person and environment. There are two names there for that theory. But it's a framework that just really emphasized the importance of understanding each layer of influence in someone's life. So who interpersonally first, so their genetics, their likes and dislikes, their ability levels, you know, their health conditions. Then there's that outer ring of the family members, the support system that they have at home in place. And then the third level is going to be the community. So where do they work? Who are their neighbors? What, you know, where do they live? What does their access to resources look like? And then there's that broader context of, you know, politically and the rules and government that is in place and the different services that are available and insurance policies, all that good stuff. So for you guys here, why it matters is because it's personally relevant, right? You're the one who is working on this goal. And like I always like to say to my Googlers, like you are the expert in your own life. I'm just here to guide you. And it also allows you guys to feel autonomous because you are in control. You are the one who is deciding to do this or take on this challenge or this goal or this habit or whatever it is you are seeking. And I think that that can be empowering, just knowing that you're the one who's choosing to do this. So what it looks like, again, it's understanding your own personal background, your experiences, and as simple as understanding what you like and don't like to do. So if your goal is to lose weight and I tell you to go run, you know, 30 miles a week and you're like, well, Kate, I hate running. You know, there are so many other solutions. That sounds super simple, but I think a lot of times people get locked into there's only one way to do something. And I do think it's important to understand, you know, where you're at. So again, like I mentioned, it's identifying the different levels of influence in your life. So your support system, your job, your neighborhood, what's going to help you in this process and what might hinder you or what might you have to work around. And finally, there's an approach, especially I'm, I'm getting my health coach certification right now, which I'm super excited about. And one thing they super or they really emphasize is honoring the whole person. So you are more than just one thing. You're more than just an employee. You're more than just an advantaged community member. You're more than just a mom, a parent, a partner. You're a whole being made up of a bunch of different parts. And as well as they emphasize this in wellness. So there's multiple aspects of wellness. There's financial wellness, emotional wellness, you know, there's obviously physical wellness, um, and then there's a whole host of other things. So I think it's just important to be mindful that there's not always one right answer and you are more than just one thing. And finally, again, in the medical model, I would hope to see the physician, you know, collaborate with their patients to create a plan moving forward for them. Um, and so this gives you an opportunity to collaborate with yourself, you know, who, would, who wouldn't want to work with themselves in, I think you should strive to want to work with yourself if you were given the choice to work on a project, kind of butchering that, but could have fun with it. And our final thought exercise. So what is something that you do consistently every day without fail? I hope everyone brushes their teeth. Do you grab a cup of coffee in the morning? Do you always start the dishwasher before bed? Do you always unload it in the morning? So think about one thing already that you do in your daily routine. So you might have a bunch of ideas pop into your head. Again, jot them down, jot all of them down.
And then from here, how can you tie in your goal or your new goal that you have in your mind to this already ingrained routine? So you guys can fill out this very simple sentence, after blank, I will blank. So I said, after I brush my teeth, I will do 10 bodyweight squats if my goal is to get more movement in during the day. Or with my Spanish, it's gonna be after I text my boyfriend, I will respond to his mess, or after I get a text from my boyfriend, I will respond to him in Spanish. So again, find something you do every day and you know tie that with your goal habit that you have. And again, it can even be as small as you know, taking that first step to create a plan for yourself of what your goal is. Okay, I'm gonna pause here. And again, see if anyone wants to come off mute and share with me their thoughts or if they had anything they think other people could maybe relate to or benefit from? I think it's great the, the tethering, you know, like putting, attaching something you want to do to something that you already do well. Um, I think you, you automatically go into it with a little bit more confidence. And then I think from what I've experienced, the toughest part is remembering to do that you know so so writing it down helps for sure um but then i've kind of experienced that you know if after i brush uh, let's see after i brush my teeth if i was going to try to um let's say to use your example learn more spanish words after i brush my teeth i'll look at 10 spanish flashcards or something like that you know i, I think um, you an idea. <laughs> what's that i said you just gave me an idea there you go and so like my trouble with that or my problem with that has been you know at some point i forget or if they don't make sense to go together you know yeah it doesn't uh you know like brushing and flossing go together brushing and uh spanish flashcards don't go together so um, i think that's something to think about when you're trying to, to tie those two things together no that's a very good point and so for me, I'm a very visual person. So if I were to use your example, I would literally leave a stack of flashcards next to my sink. And so having that visual reminder, I think can also be helpful. And then hopefully you get to that point where you're doing it consistently enough, then it becomes on your own time, right? So if I do that, hopefully for three weeks in a row, I'll get to the point where it's like, oh, if I miss it when I'm brushing my teeth, I can do it in the morning when I'm eating breakfast, or it'll just become a daily part, a part of my daily routine. All right, anyone else have any good ideas they wanna share? All right, I just have two more slides and then I'm gonna, again, open it up to conversation and questions. Again, no question is a stupid question, even if it's just brainstorming out loud, I love that. Okay, the final piece here that I'd just like to note is that it does come down to consistency, okay? So no matter how big your goal is, as long as you're doing something towards it every single day, I believe you will ultimately be successful. So with my book, I wrote it again my senior year of college and 
there definitely were days where I had, you know, two exams and a paper due. I was like, there's no way I can, you know, spend time writing or working on my book. And so what I would do is, you know, find something very, very small that I could contribute to that work. So again, it just is taking it one step at a time. Um, so I would listen to a podcast, let's say, on behavior change on my commute up to campus, and I'd quickly take notes on my phone. So again, whatever your goal is, I definitely encourage you guys to do one thing for that goal once a day. Okay, again, can be as small as, you know, thinking about it and jotting it down so you have a note of the idea that you had, or it can be as big as, you know, taking a 10-mile run working towards your marathon training. But again, I think consistency and what I've found to work with myself as well as other people I've worked with in the past, um, doing one little thing towards that each day will help you get there. And then finally, I have a list here of books. Um, this is a, these are a lot of the books that I used for research for my book. And so they are about you know, fitness and wellness and habits and routines. Um, the very two at the bottom are two of my favorite books that I threw on there, and it mostly speaks to mindfulness, which was a big piece that I found, especially in the medical realm that I didn't expect to see time and time again with the people I was interviewing, the, this concept of mindfulness and being present with yourself really worked its way in. So at the end of my book, there's a huge chapter on meditation and mindfulness even in the healthcare field, which I thought was super interesting. But the two books are The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. This one changed my life. And I do think it is a super easy read because it's broken up into small chunks or small paragraphs. So it's not super dense chapters, but people ask the author a question and he kind of responds. And then the final one is Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh. And this is just little ways that you can practice mindfulness throughout your everyday life. So it's not as overwhelming as 30 minutes of meditation. It's this quick little exercise you can do in less than a minute that will help you, again, build up to that mind mindfulness or meditation throughout your whole day. And I will pause here for questions. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. A lot of good stuff to think about, Kate. Thank you, um, Julie. Yeah, I've had like lots of good ideas just as you're talking. And, and I actually liked in the presentation how you paused. You, you didn't talk the whole time and there, you were giving us some time to think while of, about what was there. Um, so that was kind of nice. There's not, not a lot of presentations I've, I've attended. Mm -hmm. They do that. <laughs> well, thank you, Julie. It was nice. Kate, I have a question. Hi, Dina. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, so when you were working in the cardiology clinic, did you have a chance to apply some of this to any of the patients that you were working with? And what, what did you see happen? Like even like anything little, mm -hmm. you know, but this is probably before you wrote your book, but were you able to help anybody make a shift? And, and can you just tell us about that? Yeah, thank you. That's such a great question. <clears throat> and honestly, so you're right, I did finish that internship. And then I started my senior year. And that's when I got the opportunity. So I kind of understood the research behind it way before or way after I was working. But even at the time, I tried to ask um, the patients questions as much as like, oh, hey, did you come here with anyone? 
or, you know, what are your goals for this week? Or I found, I tried to mostly, I wanted to just talk to them and kind of see how they were doing that day. Um, Cause a lot of times I didn't see the patients again. It was once for like a 15 minute session, never saw them again. So it was very hard to, you know, establish that relationship. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. I definitely wish that I could have done more, but I think just guiding questions was the biggest thing that I could implement. I have a question, Kate. Yes, hello. Hi, just wondering if you've had success in the past and end up quote unquote falling off the wagon, do you still suggest beginning with your root system to try to get back on the horse, so to speak? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is where I would really open it up to you or to whoever I was talking to and say, why do you think you kind of fell off? Was there a certain reason? Did it just become too much or too hard? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I would try to identify first why the person felt like they kind of fell off. And then once they shared with me their answer, kind of hone in a little bit on that area and maybe start with that first. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, so even if you had an example you could share, um, or I don't know if you were just asking in general, but if you don't have someone there with you to ask questions, I'm a big person because I, I love to write and not everyone likes to journal. But even if it's talking it out with someone close to you or writing things out, you can kind of explore what you think went wrong and maybe kind of like problem solve a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with after some success with some weight loss and then having uh, two knee replacements like within six months and getting completely off the chopping vegetable routine and onto the sandwich routine and dessert routine. Um, then, you know, the weight comes back on a whole lot faster than it went off. And so, you know, you're kind of maybe not back where you started, but, you know, heading that way. So, just curious if you would recommend then, you know, just starting with, okay, so what, what went wrong and do we start with, how do we start to deal with this? Yeah, that's huge. And so it sounds like, you know, having those surgeries really kind of set you back mentally and physically. And so trying to find that motivation to get started again has been tough for you. So yeah, maybe assessing in that root framework, where do you think I will be the most successful? Am I most motivated by you know myself and kind of assessing what I wanna do and where I wanna go? Do I love the presence of others? Do I find support in you know reaching out to people who have had similar experiences or have had similar successes or similar struggles? Or is it really the presence of a huge community that helps? You know, So really evaluating what works best for you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I know surgeries can be tough. I broke my both my feet at the same time and had to have surgery, so I feel ya. Getting back to the exercise was the easy part for me. It was, was the it? dietary. The dietary was the problem. Okay, so even the fact that you're able to acknowledge that I think is huge because a lot of times people don't even know where to start or what went wrong. So that's huge. Thanks for sharing, Susan. Thank can you. you can you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Google? Yeah, of course. 
So as Brian said, I started as an intern. And so from there, I shadowed, just like at um, Advantage, I shadowed one of the performance coaches who led workout classes. And I kind of shadowed them all day and would help them with the warm up and, you know, watch people's form, give them some feedback. So the way Google is run, they, there's a campus and there are a bunch of different buildings and about on the main campus, I'd say there are 10 gyms on site. So there's a one coach who runs each gym. And so then when my internship ended, I got hired on as a performance coach. So I kind of ran my own gym essentially at one of the Google offices. And from there I coached three classes a day. Two were called metabolic challenge. So very similar to the circuit style class that Brian runs. And then one was called total body strength, which is similar to your guys' small group. So you each have your own plan, but it was just one workout for everyone. And then I also was in charge of, you know, the facility upkeep. And that's where I implemented my coffee with the coach sessions. So I'd work one-on-one -on -one with people and kind of post, I posted posters all around the campus just to meet people and, you know, help people with their fitness goals. And then from there, my new role that I'll actually be starting in the next two weeks or so, it's called a community coordinator position. So it's working and forming community groups within the Google employee population on a larger scale. So not just with fitness, but now it's also gonna be with the arts and you know, with dance and different singing groups and just with the goal of connecting employees to each other. Yeah, thank you for that question. And I think someone typed something in, of course. Hope you have fun with the little kiddos. <laughs> that was Lawrence. Lawrence is on his way out. Okay. <laughs> um, unless there's any other questions, I'll, uh, I'll kind of wrap here. Um, so I think, you know, this is, uh, this is like perfect timing for this, even though even though a lot of people are busier, somehow busier than they ever have been before. Um, this, these times when, you know, your whole schedule is messed up, you have no routine, uh, things have just been completely flipped upside down. Uh, these are the times when you wanna start asking yourself these questions um, because when your routine is interrupted like this, these are the best times to then make changes to your routine. And uh, I saw a quote the other day, um, that makes a lot of sense here. I'm not gonna get it exactly right, but it was something along, along the lines of, as you're hoping for normalness to return, or when you're thinking about returning to your uh, everyday life, think about which parts of the everyday life are worth returning to, or are important to return to. So um, use this time to think about, you know, if you've been wanting to add more exercise, you know, this group is pretty good, but if, if you've been wanting to add more exercise, if you've wanted, wanted to eat more vegetables in, during a day, if you've wanted to, um, you know, get more steps in and not sit down as, mu as much at work, these are perfect times to take care of it because you have no routine. There is nothing that is uh, ordinary about your days right now. So um, this is perfect timing for this. Um, and Kate, thank you so much again for taking the time to do this with us and uh, share the root framework with us. I think it's, it's a, it's a great thing, not only in the medical field um, in a medical setting, but also here with us. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Thanks Kate.
Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. And it was so nice to see some familiar faces. Thanks, Kate. Good seeing you again. Hi, Deb. You too. Hi, Kate. Thank you. Hi, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. All right, that's it for episode 44 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. I hope you enjoyed that presentation from Kate Owens. Stay safe out there. And until next time, be sure to follow the Fit Life Formula. That's three days a week of something you love to do two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. We'll talk to you next week.